0: the pitch clock and mackenzie gore next on this edition of the talk nats podcast your number one source for nats talk updates and insider information this is the talk nats podcast Well, hello and welcome in to this edition of the Talk Nats podcast. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. You can find them online at Talk Nats. Check them out at TalkNats.com and also on Twitter at Talk Nats. My name is Dan Holman. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Caps 218 Today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Take 20% off plus free shipping when you use promo code MINUTECAST at manscaped.com. So in this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, we're going to talk about the pitch clock and ultimately what is that going to mean for Major League Baseball going forward. We know that they had the pitch clock in the minors for some time, so some of these young guys that are that are getting worked into the rotation and relief, it's not as much um, of a learning curve is for them as it is other players. We'll talk about that. And then later in the show, we will talk about Mackenzie Gore and how he is a perfectionist. But at the end of the day, is that really a bad thing? But just to get it going here, the pitch clock, that is the the biggest thing. uh, The rumblings going on in Major League Baseball is the pitch clock. How is it advantageous for the pitcher? How is it advantageous for the batter? And how do you come together in the middle? Listen, it's been my belief for the longest time that baseball games are too long. Before the pitch clock here, some games were going three, three and a half hours who really has three and a half hours to devote to a baseball game on multiple nights per week? Uh it's not like hockey or football where there's just, you know, maybe one to three games a week. Sometimes there's three to four game series. And a lot of times people in everyday life today, they don't have the time to sit down and watch a baseball game for three and a half hours. So I think that the pitch clock for me as a fan, it, it came along at the right time because When you take a look at it, it just seems like they were trying to use the system to their advantage. The pitcher would be on the rubber. He'd step off the rubber. He'd throw to first. The batter would, you know, fix his gloves. He would take a check swing. He'd step out of the box. Uh, There was an interesting video that I saw online, the before and after the pitch clock, that in one case, it was almost uh, two to three minutes uh, before it took a pitcher to throw the ball and for the batter to finally take a hack at it. So, I think that this is coming at the right time. And I think it is going to help the brand of baseball in general. Uh, Because if you take a look at it, some of the most popular sports out there now are uh, football, which is under a clock. You take a look at basketball under a clock. Hockey is under a clock. Why would baseball be the only thing out there? that was not controlled by a clock and you found gay, guys out there that would just exploit it and use it to their advantage. You know, it would, if a pitcher was getting, you know, overwhelmed, sometimes you would take a little bit longer on his delivery. If you wanted to overwhelm a batter, sometimes he would hit him with pitches at a more rapid rate. So I ultimately do think that this is best for baseball going forward. It's been something that has been spoke of for the longest time. And later in the show, we will talk about Max Scherzer. Yes, former national Max Scherzer and what he's doing to try to beat the system. And it seems like something that is going to have to be um, adjusted In the offseason, but you know, I think it's a work in progress. Uh, But ultimately, I think that it is what is needed. They're talking about this story in mass and the most notable effect it had on games is the length of games. Spring training games across major leagues are averaging just under two hours and 40 minutes. The average length of a spring training game in 2022 was just over three hours and that spring training i remember watching games last year even for the nationals that were going three and a half hours plus sometimes i love the nationals i love baseball don't get me wrong but you know if you're a guy like me or a a girl out there that has kids and, and you have a family or even if you don't not very many people can devote three to three and a half hours to watch a game you know multiple nights a week so to help spread the brand of baseball i think it's in uh, major league baseball's best interest to do that to try to condense those games much as well but the clock doesn't just affect the pitchers on the mound it affects the catchers the defense in the field the batters in the box the next batters up the pitchers and the bullpen and the coaches and the dugout it's been an adjustment period for sure in Nats cap, the starting pitchers have enjoyed getting used to the pitch clock and the faster tempo it brings. And of course, it was going to be a learning curve, but already we're starting to see, you know, some of the more traditional uh, baseball guys out there. I remember F.P. Santangelo was against the pitch clock. He goes, it's it, it's against everything that baseball is about. I'm fine with that if that's, you know, what, what it's about. I just want to be able to watch games at a more rapid rate. And you know, one of an interesting stat out there from MLB.tv and even YouTube was talking about it as much is that more and more people, myself included on some nights that I just wasn't going to be able to devote three and a half hours to a game. I was watching a condensed game where you get had the game done in about 40 minutes. And I understand that baseball games uh, will never be able to be done in 40 minutes, you know, playing regular time. That's ridiculous. But in an everyday world, you know, I got a couple kids at home. I have a full-time job. I host another full-time podcast. I don't necessarily have three and a half hours to devote watching to baseball. So for a game that is America's pastime, if they want it to continue to be America's pastime, it would be in their best interest to Uh, Keep going down the path that they're going on, despite all the, you know, old school people in baseball, you know, that said, you know, this is against everything uh, that baseball is about. Let them think that at the end of the day, there's they're the dinosaur in the room. I like the faster play. I try to work fast, Patrick Corbin said last week after his first spring training start with the clock. I think I worked fast before there was a clock. Just try to go out there and get used to it. From what I hear from a lot of minor league guys out there last year, it takes a little bit to get used to. And once you do, you don't normally think about it. I think the first time out of the stretch, I looked at the clock. I was a little bit late getting out there. And then after I was able to correct that kind of hold for a little bit, maybe try to work that to our advantage i feel that everyone's pleased with the pace of play and again the players like it the fans like it what's not to like uh, a game that works you know at a little bit quicker rate i think is advantageous uh for everyone uh, for the fans mostly because you know i was at a Nats game a couple years ago it was at uh they were playing the brewers oddly enough and um when i was at the game there most of the people on the you know there were so many people that were on their phones talking amongst each other not really zoned into the game even when the brewers were at bat there were people that just weren't paying attention to the game and, and then if they heard the crack of the bat or something like that then their attention would be drawn to it so this is a game in general that needs more people um paying attention to it you know and i think with a faster rate of play you're going to have more people tuned in to what's going on out on the field. If there wasn't a clock involved, that's when you have people kind of drifting out and and looking at their phones. In some cases, I saw people turning backwards from the field, talking to the person behind them, people milling around, not paying attention to the game. Let me tell you one thing. I I cover uh, a few different sports here, podcast-wise. And if I go to a football game, if I go to a hockey game, there is little to know uh, of having people turning away from the ice or the football field to talk amongst each other unless they're going to a commercial break. It's people zoned in the entire time. I'm talking about in the Major League Baseball. Their team was at bat, and there was a lot of people not paying attention to the game. That is a big problem for baseball because you got to believe if they're at home and there's even more distractions that they're not watching the game. It is at the end of the day, what was revered as America's pastime. Let's keep it that way. And you're going to be able to do that by, you know, keeping going with the pitch clock. I think it's the right idea. Today was much better echoed fellow lefty Mackenzie Gore. After his second start, I felt like I got on the mound early and I could hold the ball and I held runners a little bit better. So that was a much better today. The Nats, of course, have a lot of young starters and relievers who got their first taste of the clock during its trial period in the minors last year. Even with that experience, it has still taken time for them to adjust to spring training because, you know, there's butterflies. You know, you're playing in the minors. Maybe it's a big deal. But when you're playing in Major League Baseball, you know a lot is more is at stake. You want to stay on the big team. You don't want to get sent back down to your respective, uh, minor league team, the real money and the real success comes in the major. So even though these guys had time to get used to it down, uh, in whatever team they were playing on, it is still important, uh, to keep that fresh in their mind. But I think it is, you know, an advantage to those guys that had to, to use the pitch clock in the minors that it's probably less of a learning curve. Of course, Uh, now that they're playing on the big team here so it is it is a good thing I think at the end of the day last year national starters led the major leagues by averaging 17.8 pitches per inning not being efficient by throwing strikes and pitching to contact so far this spring Nat starters are averaging 10.47 pitches per inning ranking in the top half of the league in terms of efficiency I think it's been pretty good. It's definitely quick, Josiah said after his second spring training start. There were a couple of times today that I looked up and I was like, three seconds left. So just had to get adjusted to that. But for the most part, I think it's been pretty good. It keeps the games going, not a lot of sitting around. So you have to kind of be on your toes. And I think the pitchers, we can take advantage of that. The more we're kind of just ready to go and knowing the pitch is ready to go. So after two innings, I think it's a pretty good time. And it's exciting to see where it's going to be during the regular season. And, you know, one of the things that I had heard about is that, you know, that's fine that this is going on in preseason. But what if it was a game of major impact. I, I heard, you know, heard about the game where there was a bases loaded situation and it was called a third strike because I want to say the pitcher wasn't, or excuse me, the batter wasn't ready to go. And that was game over. It was outrage. Uh, when I was listening to it online, it was all over Twitter and you know, all the people that are like, I, I told you this wasn't going to work. What if this was a playoff game? What if this was a world series game? What would we do? Um, Regardless, I think it's time to do this, you know, despite what everyone else thinks. I think that you have to kind of keep going ahead with this agenda of using the pitch clock. It moves it along faster. And, you know, considering that most people's attention span, especially the younger people, if you want to get younger people into baseball, you got to keep the games on a clock um, because otherwise it's just craziness. All right. So after the break here, we are going to talk about a former Nat Max Scherzer, and how he's kind of found a way to beat the system, if you will. We'll talk about that next. And now a special promo for Talk Nats listeners. Mayweather Boxing and Fitness is now open located just two blocks from Nats Park in a premier waterfront building on 230 Water Street Southeast on the first floor. Come train like a champion. And how's about a special promo for the local Talk Nats listeners to get their first class free using code MAYWEATHERNATS23. That's promo code MAYWEATHERNATS23. Or just call the studio or stop by and tell them you want the Nats discount. all right welcome back into this edition of the talk nats podcast i'm so glad you decided to join me once again take 20 percent off plus free shipping when you use promo code minutecast at manscaped.com so we're talking about pitch clock in this episode of the talk nats podcast and one former nat Feels like he has found a way to beat the system. Max Scherzer, does it come to any surprise? There's all kinds of videos of him watching himself pitching. There's videos of him watching how he holds the baseball preparing to pitch. This guy is really into it. He's got the resume. He's got the track record. um, And it's not really that surprising that if there was going to be one guy to figure out a way to kind of fudge it or beat the system, it would be Max Scherzer. But at the end of the day, Is that what's best for baseball? Uh, I think that ultimately it is something that is going to have to get addressed in the offseason. This story in Mass, and they were talking about pitchers across the league have already tried to take advantage of the pitch clock. None more so than former Nats ace Max Scherzer, even the competitor. Scherzer clearly had a plan for how he was going to use the clock to his benefit coming into spring training in his first start of the spring with the Mets, coincidentally against the Nats. Scherzer manipulated the pitch clock by coming set early and then either throwing very quickly or holding on to the ball until the very last second, forcing the batter to use his one timeout early in the at-bat. Once the timeout was no longer an option, the rest of the at-bat was totally in Max Scherzer's control. Again, it is the infancy of this whole thing. And I do think that it's something that will have to be addressed Um, either before the season or maybe, you know, before we go into next season. But we want this to be a a smooth running system. You know, it's one of the things that we found a way to make baseball games go faster. We don't need someone like Max Scherzer. God love Max Scherzer, you know, at the end of the day and everything he did with the Nats. But we don't want guys circumventing the master plan of getting baseballs to go, baseball games to go much quicker. So, but leave it to Max Scherzer uh, to do something like that. He would go on a strikeout five uh, Nationals and just two innings. But credit to the Nats who came back five days later with a plan against Scherzer, and he used his use of the pitch clock and scored even seven runs on him in one inning. So even Max Scherzer, who is I revere, is one of the smart pitchers in baseball. Um, Even he, you know, his best laid plans went to waste as the Nationals found a way to beat him. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter, Josiah Gray said of Scherzer with a laugh. It looked like he's taken advantage of it, as he should. That guy has all the tools in his bag. I think even today I held it with like three seconds on or something like that to one of the hitters and then just dropped in a curveball strike. So the more you can kind of just get in their head and keep them flat-footed, why not? It's a matter of you or the hitter, and we can use it to our advantage sometime. Again, what are your thoughts out there? Hit me up on Twitter at dancaps 218 We came up with a system. Do we want to circumvent it? Do we want to try to beat the system? I don't think that that's ultimately what the master plan was when they came up with this system, but leave it to some of these innovators, uh, most notably Max Scherzer for trying to beat the system. I've been a hitter before, and I know what it feels like to get a quick pitch and that kind of stuff said Cade Cavalli, who has a two, a two-way player of the university of Oklahoma. So now with this clock, we, as pitchers can take advantage of it, work quick. And then also at the same time, we can have a long hold and get those hitters in their legs Get them a little dead. So they're just trying to make them feel comfortable. That's it. And I think this clock is allowing it. The trick will be balancing how they manipulate the pitch clock between the game plan and the in game feel. And we've already seen people trying to manipulate these plans that were trying to make baseball uh, more of a game and not an analytical thing, you know, where they were trying to do away with the shift. But then they talked about how some teams found a way to beat the shift. And then you got guys that are trying to beat the clock. You know, at the end of the day, there's rules, and there's always people that are trying to beat the rules. There's a speed limit out there, but people have bought radar detectors to try to beat the rules. So um, I guess it really shouldn't come as much of a surprise out there. But at the end of the day, let's use the rules that were set in place. It's going to benefit you. It's going to benefit the other team. We don't want to try to continue to do things that are going to stymie the progress of baseball. For me, I want a game that's... um, under three hours at the end of the day that's attainable even if it was under like two hours they were saying there two hours 40 minutes you know about the average length of an nfl game something like that uh you know with commercials and all that kind of stuff so i think that that would be a good thing uh for for the nats and baseball in general uh but so just taking a look at it for me it's really in the my belly cavalli said i just trust my gut i think there's the feeling, and I'm always trying to think about the team as well, because I know they're trying to think for me, so it's kind of a chess game. It's fun. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how all this plays out in the real season. Again, when they're games of impact, um, I, again, there's people up in arms in a spring training game because it was a bases loaded that was a game ender because the batter took too much time and it was called a strike. Um, so. An interesting position for baseball in general. I know that people don't like change. They don't like change in their everyday life. They sure as heck aren't going to like it uh, in, in their baseball game as well. All right, so after the break here, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Gore. It seems like the fruits of the Juan Soto and Josh Bell trade are already coming to fruition. But Mackenzie Gore, the ever-perfectionist, uh, uh, can he put that behind him and just concentrate on baseball? Or his, Or is him being a perfectionist really a bad thing? We'll talk about that next. News, Manscaped now sells beard products. That's right, they are once again revolutionizing men's grooming with a brand new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. From a beard trim to a fresh shave, the technology behind the Beard Hedger Pro Kit allows you to shape your signature beard look. Now you can finally use Manscaped products to make your drapes match your carpet by going to manscaped.com and using promo code MINUTECAST for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mane. No one likes a weird beard, so say goodbye to all the stubble trouble with Manscaped's Pro Beard Kit. It all starts with a beard beard hedger this thing is a juggernaut of fixing faces first off this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths all with one guard so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons that's right a face grooming doesn't need to be hard get 20 different beard lengths in just one guard plus it's waterproof so you can shave in the shower to avoid all the hair in the sink the titanium t-blade is tough on hair but smooth on your face leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time the pro kit doesn't end there though they have created the dermatology tested formulations for post-trim care. First, there is the beard shampoo and conditioner. You need to remember all the hair is different. Your beard hair is more coarse and easier to damage than the hair on your head. That's why this kit has made shampoo and conditioner specifically designed to moisturize, reduce ingrown hairs, replace natural oils, and promote beard health. Next, the kit has Manscaped's Beard Oil, an essential piece of your main facial accessory. No one wants a guy with a beard that is brittle and dry. The oil relieves dryness both on the beard and the skin beneath, while adding a little shimmer and shine, making you look extra fine. Cap the kit off with a beard balm, a pomade that shapes, styles, moisturizes, and tames for a sculptured look to attract any fellows or dames. The Pro Beard Kit also comes with three free gifts, a beard brush, comb, and scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So, get 20% off and free shipping with promo code MINUTECAST at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com and use promo code M-I-N-U-T-E-C-A-S-T Manscaped Beard Hedger One Stroke One Guard 20 Lengths. All right. Welcome back into this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, your premier destination for Washington Nationals News. Check them out online, talknats.com. So in this final segment here, we're going to talk about Mackenzie Gore and how he is a perfectionist. But is that really a bad thing? If I want anything from a professional athlete, I want them to set the bar high. I don't want them to just say, hey, I'm here for a paycheck. And I ultimately don't think that that is the case for Mackenzie Gore, this story was in Mass, and from earlier this week, they were talking about his performance where Gore threw 34 pitches, 23 strikes, and two innings against the Marlins, facing the same squad that they faced earlier in the week to start a 5-3 win in front of 2,271 fans in Jupiter. He completed three innings on 35 pitches, 23 strikes. The sharpness wasn't there from the beginning, bothering the lefty facing John Birdie to to the bottom of the first. Gore threw four pitches outside the strike zone to begin his outing with a four-pitch walk. So, Again, this is a guy that is a future. Does Mackenzie Gore have a spot on this team? If there's any time for him to get an opportunity to play on a team, it's this rebuilding, this retooling Nationals team. But it's not going to be a given. It's not going to say, well, my resume and how I played and where, you know, I was drafted or, you know, um, you know where uh, they have me projected to be. It's, you know, baseball, along with every other sport, is a what have you done for me lately. So he's going to have to come here. He's going to have to kill it. If he wants to leave camp with the team is it going to happen yeah that's beautiful gore said sarcastically of the leadoff walk outside the visiting clubhouse at roger dean chevrolet stadium we got through three and 35 pitches which is good but we got some work to do While hard on himself, Gore wasn't really helped by the Nats defense either. C.J. Abrams, who of course joined Gore in coming to the Washington as a part of the blockbuster Juan Soto trade, dropped a picture-perfect double play on the next pitch to leave two runners on base. But uh, it's one of the things that we're really starting to see that trade come into focus. And I know that everyone was kind of all up in arms, myself included, when Juan Soto uh, got traded out to San Diego along with Josh Bell, kind of, you know, leaving this team without, you know, kind of a captain. It would be like the Capitals trading Alex Ovechkin, something of that magnitude. Maybe not quite that. He wasn't, you know, uh, in the league uh, or he wasn't playing in the on our team for that long, but You kind of get what I'm saying here. So, uh, you know, along with everyone else, I was very distraught at the fact that Juan Soto went out to the Padres. And an interesting thing is a bit of a sidebar here is that uh, he wasn't going to sign an extension until his deal was up. But what are we hearing from Scott Boris's camp that he might be close to signing an extension with the Padres. And then the question for me is, is the Padres are spending a ton of money. Where are they getting that money from? I know they've got that lucrative TV deal out there, but at the end of the day, the Padres, despite all the moves that they've made, and I get a huge kick out of this as a a baseball fan or just a fan of sports in general is these teams that go all out there and they try to get all these players and even the best laid plans go to waste. Uh, did the Padres win the World Series? You know, um and is it going to help them in years to come? Um, I mean, that's the question. Um, it worked out some in some cases for different teams. You know, the Padres played very well last year, but for other teams out there, you take a look at the Bruins, for example. Take a look at what they did out there. Uh, you know, they made all these movements. If you want to, you know, transition to to hockey here for a minute, is that going to be enough for them? They have the best record in the National Hockey League, but is all that movement that they did, is that going to be worth it? Sometimes it pays off. I guess it's, you know, it's kind of remains to be seen if you take a look at the Padres, if it was worth it at the end of the day. Um, but in any event, it they're it's looking like they're going to ink uh, Juan Soto to a new deal. But as far as the Nationals are concerned, I am more happy with what they got in the return. You take a look at Mackenzie Gore and CJ Abrams in this building blocks that were, are going to help this team for years to come. That's the big thing. Same thing goes for me with Scherzer and Trey Turner the year before. Just bummed out about that as well. If there's one player of that entire lot that rebugged me the most, it was Trey Turner, uh, who I revere is one of the best shortstops In baseball, bar none, you know, and uh, now he's playing with a rival playing for the Phillies. Um, Kind of a tough thing out there, you know, to see him playing, you know, now there's Bryce Harper playing on that team as well. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I wish those guys nothing but the best. I know there's a lot of boo birds and that kind of thing going on when those guys come out to bat. I wish Trey Turner in nothing but the best. Ultimately, I wish he found a way to come back to this team and he would have stayed here, but uh, it wasn't really about him. He got bounced out to the Dodgers and now subsequently is back playing closer to to where he played before playing in Philadelphia. So kind of a tough thing going forward. But uh, again, I'm, we're just starting to see the fruits of that. You know, you're seeing CJ Abrams, who is I revere as going to be uh, one of the future um, uh, you know, all-stars on this team. The year before with the Trey Turner thing, we got, you know, Josiah Gray and Kay ruiz So these were all building blocks that were needed uh, for this team to progress. So just taking a look back on him and Mackenzie Gore and him being caught up, you know, in his own head there. His fastball was not sharp today, Martinez said of the game. We talked about that a little bit. So we're going to do some work with him as far as mechanics. He just flies... Uh, Open on his fastball. I think he's just trying to do too much. His breaking balls were really good. So we'll get him back on track. You saw it. I mean, he's got all bent out of shape. We got to get him to understand to come down a little bit and know that he's going to be just fine. And I think part of that is, is he knows, you know, his, you know, what's at stake here and him finding a spot on this Nationals team, right? So, I think that, you know, he is a perfectionist, and it's not something that you can really tell someone to, like, hey, quit being such a perfectionist. It's just a trait intrinsically of who he is as a player. And I guess I would have a guy that's more concerned and worried about playing well than a guy that's kind of, you know, lackadaisical and not really caring about how he plays out there. So, I'll take McKenzie Gore that way. He's just got to work on his game a little bit, and it did come. The efficiency finally came in Gore's next two frames after giving up a single and a stolen base. Uh, Gore got a ground-out strikeout and a popout to end a scoreless second. He then only needed four pitches, all strikes, for a perfect third. Although short of a pregame goal, Gore's outing was done, but he got some more work in, in the Nats' bullpen before finally uh, ending his day throwing 15 pitches to get up to 50 after the fourth up and down so he was able to focus himself. He was able to find his way. Um, it's an interesting thing. How many of these guys that are revered as some of the best is Mackenzie Gore going to find his spot on this team. You want to take a, a look at another guy, um, uh, uh, Carter Keboom, for example, another guy that has not really kind of lived up to his potential. Uh, there was the Tommy John thing. And then now there's the shoulder thing. And he's saying it's more of a day to day thing instead of a week to week thing. But at the end of the day, You know, even for a lot of these guys, you take a look at Carter Keeboom in particular, never lived up to potential or he hasn't yet. What is the future for Carter Keeboom and what kind of leash is he going to be given? Is he going to continue to be giving opportunity after opportunity, trying to to prove his worth? I guess it remains to be seen. We have Candelario was playing at third, but we know he's playing in that baseball series right now. So um, that's another thing for me as well, is just having these guys playing in this kind of extracurricular stuff out there. What if he got injured in that game? You know, uh, the third base is in question for this nationals team and has been ultimately, since Rendon, I guess I got to say, you know, and before that Zimmerman was in there. So they've always kind of had, you know, a solid guy at third until, you know, the last few years, then it's been rough. So some tough questions ahead for the Nationals. And I really look forward to seeing who breaks camp and who is going to be on the field playing in what position and how much can we read into that? Um, Because I know that these are young and inexperienced players. It's not like you have you know, this guy that's been in the league forever. Well, chances are if you have, you know, like Juan Soto playing in the outfield, that's where he's going to play because of who he is. His reputation precedes him, right? Um, But if you have some of these young guys who don't have a lengthy resume, um, it's really, they're going to have to prove themselves. Otherwise, there's not a lot vested into them. They're going to, this Nationals team is going to try to put a winning field out on the product, on the field, Um, Are they going to be able to do it? That's the question. Uh, But it is an exciting time for me as a Nationals fan, like I've spoke of on the podcast, which is primarily an audio podcast. Check out the Talk Nats podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll have video ones when we have big guests on here. But as I was talking about on, on my podcast about that as well it's just this team living up to potential and how this is an exciting time for me um, as a nationals fan, because, you know, year after year, it was pretty much copy paste the same players on the team. And they were able to find a way to win a world series and it worked, but until it didn't right? And then all these guys contracts that they kind of looked at and they're like, there's no way Rizzo was saying that we're going to be able to, you know, re-sign Scherzer. There's no way we're going to be able to bring back Turner. You got the whole Boris issue going on with Juan Soto, which is just, you know what it is and same goes for Josh Bell. So you lost some big pieces on this team. It's time for this young group of players to be the cream that rises to the surface and kind of create a new identity for this nationals team, because we can't rewind time. We can't jump back to when they were won the world series. We're not going to be able to bring, you know, all these old players back. It is what it is right now. And these new guys that have come here are going to have to be the face of Of the washington nationals going forward and as nationals fans you should embrace that um, because that's what it's all about at the end of the day is just embracing change it's what is needed for this team um it was something that they were up on it and you saw the rebuild come in piece by piece. You saw the guy out there pulling the nail out. The first nail that came out was uh, when Max Scherzer came. Then the other nail came when Trey Turner, and then Juan Soto, and then you know Josh Bell, amongst many other players that left here, right? So it's dismantled. They effectively tore the house down. There's barely a few studs holding it up. Who is going to be the next group of players that's going to pick up a hammer and say, let's put this thing back together again. Let's bring some respect back to the district uh, for the Washington Nationals. We're a team that won a World Series not too long ago. Let's not anyone tarnish our reputation. Let's show everyone in Major League Baseball that we're the team to beat. And I understand it might not be an easy thing that they might not even be competitive or, uh, you know, make it to the playoffs this year, but it's building blocks. They have got to get better um, right now, or they're going to be like the likes of the Pittsburgh Pirates who are perennially losers. Always, every year, you know, the Pirates are going to suck. It's just a thing. I'm sorry if there's any Pittsburgh fans watching this. You should know that by now anyway. That is not who this Nationals team is. They have a history of winning, and I think that they want to keep that reputation uh, going forward, that they're winners. They're not this team that's just forever toiling in no man's land. That's what we expect from this Nationals team, and I think they will deliver. All right, once again, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast, your premier podcast on the Washington Nationals. Make sure and subscribe on whatever podcast uh, platform you use whether it's apple stitcher spotify make sure and hit that subscribe button that way you will know when the new podcasts are available this is still the preseason, and i'm planning on getting out as many podcasts as i possibly can some of you may or may not know i'm also the host of locked on capital so if you're a capitals fan head on over give me a like or subscribe over there as well But uh, until the hockey season's done, it is going to be, that's going to occupy a good chunk of my time. But... Once the cap season is done, it's going to be full on baseball here. Uh, I plan on having podcasts uh, in my doing my level best to have them after every game that I possibly can uh, to be your destination uh, for Washington Nationals podcast. Generally, they're not uh, a thirty minute plus uh, podcast. I usually try to keep them to like fifteen to twenty minutes, just because I know it's a busy world out there, and not many people have that much time to devote. Uh, to listening to a podcast. So that's my goal is to make it around a 15, 20-minute podcast until I have a guest on the show. And we have some guests that we're working on having on this show going forward as the the regular season is getting closer and closer. Those ones will go a little bit longer, but that's my goal. My mission on it is to keep it a short, uh, concise podcast, breaking down what is going on with your Washington Nationals. So once again, thank you for joining me on this edition of the Talk Nats podcast. And I'll talk to you again next time.